All right, I will. Uh, I'll mute us, bring in the music, and then mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get going. All righty. Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 68. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all of the socials at flores.run. Thanks for listening today, folks. We've got another great interview ahead. I told you we're going to have a bunch of interviews and they're going to be amazing. And the more interviews we have, the less you have to just listen to me rant. And then you get to see people's pretty faces. It's just, it's an overall great experience. Uh, Today we have Taylor. He has 12 12 years experience working in crisis stabilization, mental health. And he's also the founder of the Tailored Quill, which is his coaching company that helps people answer the big questions of who they are and what they're meant to do with their lives. So obviously lining up right with everything we're doing with purpose and intentionality. Taylor, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's clearly, be, as you just said, we, this, you know, this has to be amazing. So yeah. no pressure on me. No whatsoever. pressure at all. It's just, it, it has to be like, cause everyone's expecting it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My face has to be pretty and this interview has to be amazing. That's it. It's, it's, it really isn't that hard when you break it down. Like that's the simple of it, but, <laughs> but let the folks know a little bit more about yourself before we hop in. Uh, sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, my whole career has been in crisis stabilization, mental health. I started off working in residential programs with teens and, and younger kids who were suicidal or in otherwise uh, crisis, like psychological crisis situations, either at home or in school or what have you. And over time, I developed my own approach of helping these kids figure out that there's another path to life. There's another way that life could look for them. Because so many of them were just like, well, it's either this like this bad life, this negative life or death, basically. Like that's kind of like the choice that they're looking at. And so I helped them learn so much about their lives and then figure out that life could look differently. It's like this third option down the line that I just slowly developed that into my own business um, and then started my company in 2015, originally helping people just with like creative expression, just finding their voice. And like, and finding that confidence. And then now it's full bore coaching, like back to like full, pure mental health coaching and life coaching. And people come to me in two kind of camps. They either come to me with saying, I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. You know, the classic kind of adage of like, I don't know what to do. Tell me, please help. <laughs> tell, me, <laughs> like, tell me what I need to do, please. Yeah. Just give me the roadmap. I'm ready. Just give me the answer. Um, Or I have people come to me who seem to know what they want out of life and seem to be living that life, but it's just like something's wrong mentally and emotionally. Like something's just, they're just stuck in their head. They're getting in their own way and just doesn't feel healthy. They don't really know what the obstacle is. They just feel like, oh, like I want so much more. I want to enjoy my life. And they just feel stuck up here. So to uh, radically oversimplify it. I help break them out of those cages, the mental cages that, that they're stuck in of what life is supposed to look like. And then once they're out of that cage and then they're like, what do I do? That's when I actually have a system that helps them define their purpose. So that's why you and I are talking today. Yeah. Um, And then once they have their purpose and they're all excited about it, then I help them actually like take action steps to implement it so that they feel confident and like, Oh, cool. I, it's not that I just know my purpose, but I know what to do with it now. Yeah. I think that's, well, I'm going to write that down because I want to make sure we go back to that. Cause I think that's the, the sure. big circle of all of it is finding the purpose, but it's like, okay, now that I found it, or I feel like I know what my purpose is or what I want to be doing. It's the, then let's get there kind of thing. You find the why and you need the how to kind of get you there, but you always need to lead with the why. Yeah, Absolutely. So you said something talking about um, basically having people find their their voice, their confidence, kind of get out of being stuck in their own head. And I think that's something that that is probably seems to be more and more of an issue as we kind of go on, especially with this like 
work from home and the only thing we're doing is staring at screens and, you know, our only interaction with people is really staring at screens or staring at social media feeds or that sort of thing. We can kind of get stuck in this mentality that we aren't living up to the expectations that, that may, that we may have falsely set for ourselves. You know, we're running somebody else's race for, for lack of a better term, you know, yeah. we're, we're trying to find our purpose in someone else's purpose. How do we kind of, how do we kind of reframe our mind to make sure that we don't kind of fall into that trap and have that almost, it's almost like groupthink in your own mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And you, the, what you nailed is the fact that these are perceived expectations. We adopt them. We just man, we create them ourselves in our minds, but we think that they're coming from somewhere else. And this is often the case when like, uh, you know, when you have a belief about a type of career you're supposed to have, it's like a lot of people uh, falsely believe that there's this expectation of doing X, Y, and Z perfectly when really whoever they think is putting that expectation or pressure on them would never be like, right. would never tell them to do that. <laughs> uh, so that's how it becomes a trap. And it's like this loop. And, you know, honestly, you know, your question is like touching on like, how do we, how do we stop being so sensitive to kind of like the group think image of like influence from other people when really it comes down to focusing on ourselves because the biggest issue that I've, that I have found and I've experienced um, in my life and my career is that people look to the outside of them for expectations, for the answers, for just guidance in any kind of way, because they don't know how to find it in themselves. They might know from a self-help book or listening to a podcast or whatever it might be that the answer is within. And that's true. The answer is within, but a lot of those books or podcasts don't can't like customize that conversation to figure out like, okay, cool. How do I actually find it? <laughs> right. Right. Inside me? Right. It's there, so, but please give uh, so, me the map. Right. So that's why people always come to me like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in my head and they're stuck in their head because they're just like battered with all these perceived expectations from the outside world. And then I just help them get all that out of the way for a second and zoom completely in on themselves. Yeah. So that's the first step. That's what has to happen. Yeah. Cause I think that's a great point because if we, if we look to the outside, if we're trying to use that as our gauge of happiness, which is a fun word, uh, you know, <laughs> if we look at that for our gauge of happiness in our life, which is obviously fleeting and doesn't really make sense to, to chase anyways, you kind of then lose sight of, of your why and, when you start going straight to external sources, because we, we feel like inside we're not getting what we need. So we're, let's go outside for it. And then we just look for validation. We, we, we try to, you know, um, compare ourselves with other people that are make, or fit, make us feel validated in what we're doing. We hang out with certain people that make us feel validated that we're worth being on this planet. And we kind of yeah. just get into that, that weird cycle kind of thing when, when really it's, again, not from an oversimplification, but really it's, it's understanding yourself and kind of what you're doing. You know, we all have a purpose. We might have multiple things that we do, but we all have this like drive and something that's going to continue pushing us on. But if you're not, again, running your, your own race, you're running somebody else's, you're going to fall off. And that, that has to do with like goals and motivation and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And running somebody else's race is a perfect metaphor for the conversation, but also for your brand. So yes. this is good. <laughs> we'll keep that. We'll keep it as a through line there we go, yeah. uh, just for you. Um, but you're right. And like something that I talk about a ton is that this sense of peace and relief from just the overwhelm in someone's mind. A lot of people think that that's the end goal mm. is finding that psychological freedom that I call it. A lot of people think that that's the end goal of it, that, and like what you're saying, if they can just get this validation from other people that they are worth, you know, being alive or worth having an existence or sharing a piece of real estate here, um, then they think that's it. And then there's a lot of relief that comes from that, of course, but a lot of people are just like, oh, phew, thank goodness. And that's it. They're done. Whereas I argue that that psychological freedom is the very first step. That's the first requirement 
because then it's like, like imagine if you were just so relieved that you were like relaxed and calm all day long. You're like, yeah, this is great. You still have a whole life to live. Right. You still have things to do. Right. It's the classic uh, commentary about like, if you were given a billion dollars right now, it's like, cool, you might do fewer things, but you still have to live your life. Right. So, so that's why it's like, no matter where we get that validation, it's never the end of the journey. You still have to then put in the work to actually live a life of meaning, live a life of purpose. Yeah. And I think that's a piece that a lot of people end up missing. Like you said, is a lot of people are just trying to get through life and not actually live. And, and that's, that's a sad thing to say, but that's really it is I, I'm doing this career. I'm doing this activity because it's, you know, the end justifies the means almost like I'm doing this because I need to do this. I need to have money to do this thing. It's like, well, you know, yes, we need money to pay bills and to have food and all of that sort of thing, but doesn't mean you can't like have purpose in doing it. You can have purpose in a job you hate. You can mm-hmm. have purpose in a, you know, a, a family situation that may not be going the same, the going the way that you would like it to go. You can have this, this, um, almost mental shift in your mind to understand that the circumstances around you aren't, they shouldn't affect you as much as they do. It's all about your response to those circumstances. Yeah. I feel like there are like probably five or six topics in there that I talk about (laughs) with my clients. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, everything that you hit is so spot on. So I don't even know where to start with it, but, um, I guess one thing to the first part of what you were just saying is that uh, a book that has completely changed my life is The War of Art by Mm. Stephen Pressfield. Are you familiar with it? I am. Okay, awesome. Um, I can't recommend it enough to people. And the most poignant thing in that is that he said, we are not entitled to the reward of our work. We are only entitled to our work because that's the thing that we're actually participating in. Right. And from a religious sense too, the reward was never a part of it. We are just here to toil. We are just here to, to labor, to do good works. And so a lot of people, like you're saying, who focus too much on the ends and are focused on the excitement of just attaining that end, thinking that end is all that they need to attain are missing the point because the only thing that you really have control over is that which you are participating in on a daily basis. And from the mental health perspective, you only have control over your own responses to things and reactions. So things happen to people like I've worked with kids who have experienced horrific traumas. So of course those things happen to people, but still you are then responsible and able to control how your life looks going forward from those things. Yeah, it's it, the response thing is always an interesting conversation because, y- like you said, people people go through trauma. There are things that happen. If you if you have turned on the news at all in the last <laughs> thirty days, you know, a week, things happen, and when those things happen, how we respond to it really shows what our um, what our intrinsic value is towards those things, how we feel about ourselves and how we kind of want to strengthen ourselves to push through those things. You said something and then I completely forgot where I was going to go with it. But the, um, it's all right. no, the, uh, oh. so we were saying, we were talking about like the, uh, mindset aspect of it and kind of going into the wrong direction. Now I really don't know where I was going. <laughs> I had, well, you, you, uh, you made the good point that, people then kind of like as a comfort item or like a security blanket, they'll focus on the ends. And that's kind of like the mindset as instead of focusing on the means or the why. You got me back to it. Got me back to it. (laughs) So people focus on the end. They forget about the journey that that's along the way. Because if you have these goals and your goals are a great thing to have, you have this motivation to push you through and you're like, hey, I want to get to this end target. If you're not doing the day-to-day work, you're never going to get to that end target. But if you're only focused on that end target, you're forgetting the now. 
you're forgetting what mm. you have to do and the lessons you learn along the way. I'm dealing with um, a post-tib tendon issue right now and I'm not able to run. And, you know, I had some races coming up that, that might, may not happen. I don't know. But if I was only focused on, if I, the only thing that matters is me doing this race, I'm going to, this entire journey while I'm in PT and all this other stuff, it's going to be, I'm going to feel down about myself. I'm going to feel like my value's not there because I was only worried about this thing. I'm now a failure because I didn't get there. Not realizing that each step along the way, I'm getting stronger. Not only am I fixing an injury, I'm actually getting stronger and I'm going to be a better runner because of it. And then it allows me to have time to, I've done a ton of interviews lately for the podcast and it's been great because I now have a little more time to do this. Now I'm learning more things, meeting new people where I didn't before. But again, if the only thing I was focused on was that end, you kind of scramble your brain and think, if that doesn't happen, I'm a failure. And then if you have that mentality, and this is obviously a random example, but if you have that mentality in anything in life, what's going to happen is you're going to keep talking down to yourself. And as you're talking down, you're beating yourself, you're beating yourself up, and then it goes back to that vicious circle again. Now we're going to go externally to find our purpose and find validation to go, okay, if this isn't it, maybe I need to find something else to kind of validate the way I'm feeling. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. And I'm going to use, I'm going to use our race metaphor because this is perfect. Like what you're, what you're talking about is like imagining not necessarily a t- like a tortoise and a hare example, but just imagine two people running a marathon. One person is doing like these hard sprints to get to like that next mile marker. But then like, they feel like shit when they get to that mile marker. So then they like really slow down or they kind of like pace around a little bit. Cause they're like really bummed out about their performance just in that mile compared to the person who realizes, Hey, you know what? I can't really push it today. So I'm actually just going to walk and they just keep walking and they're just taking one step forward. The person who's walking is able to look around and be like, Oh wow, that's a pretty bird. Mm. Like, Oh, well, you know, slap high fives with somebody on the side of the road, talk with someone else who's walking. Whereas the other person is trying to do these massive sprints to an end goal. And then is like walking backwards and feels like they're just not making any kind of progress and they're hard on themselves. They're not looking up and seeing the big picture. They're not able to connect with other people in the race. And ultimately the person who's walking forward, they end up making more progress. And so it's just constant, kind of like what you have in your, in your blurb with the, with the podcast, it's about taking a day at a time, but figuring out what that day at a time looks like mm. for you uniquely because that's not the same for everybody. But as long as you just keep taking those steps forward and you're able to look around, you're able to see the meaning, see that there is meaning in every moment and every day, even if you don't know what that meaning is, you're going to be so much better off. And like you said, you're going to learn a whole lot more things. You're going to have a lot more opportunities. You're going to enjoy things a whole lot more. You're going to have a lot more gratitude and new connections, new relationships, a lot more fun. Yeah seeing everything that's going around you, it's, it's basically that idea of what is success? What is success to me? And how do you kind of cultivate that into whatever it is? Back to your, your runner, if the one who's sprinting, the success is finishing the race fast and the other person is enjoying the experience, enjoying what's there. And I mean, I can say early running, early on in my running career, if you will, it's been I was, I was that, I was like, let's go as hard as I possibly can. If I didn't do it, you know, it's real crappy. But then you see like a race, like I can't remember. So like this race here was in Rhode Island the day before I ran in Connecticut. And then I ran a race in Rhode Island and this, the first mile was straight uphill. I didn't realize how hilly Rhode Island was. Like I've never been on in the new England coast. I'm like, there's lots of rocks <laughs> and lots of hills. This is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, the entire time, I just enjoyed the experience. I just had a smile on my face saying hi to every single person that was outside and just really enjoyed myself. And I think that's the difference of knowing knowing what you deem as success and kind of your motivation to push you through. Like you said, you're opening your mind up to this meaning of, you know, there's something bigger than the, the little piece that I'm saying. This end goal of crossing the finish line it has nothing to do with the entire race. That that concludes it. And that's why they say people like when you finish races, you're already thinking about the next one because the finish line wasn't really the purpose and the goal. 
That was your, you wanted to get there. Obviously the whole time you're like, I just need to get to the finish line. This sucks. Everything hurts. I just want to be done. (laughs) But, but then, but then you realize the experience you had along the way. You're like, I just trained for 12 to 18 weeks. I just put, you know, four hours in on this road and high five Mm -hmm. people and met people and now it's over. And we kind of just need that like little pump up again. So then we sign up for our next race. We do the next thing. And it comes into that almost taking risk. You're kind of putting yourself out there to see how far you can stretch yourself because I think that's where you start to grow. You use your purpose to continue pushing that envelope. Yes, absolutely. And I just, I mean, two points to that. One is like, I talked about this the other day with, with some clients that the, your purpose is a North star, but your purpose, that doesn't mean it needs to be a really, really big star. It doesn't need to be the sun. It doesn't need to be this giant thing, like giant spotlight. Um, so as long as you have any form of unique purpose that's personal to you, that's enough. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to be this massive mission statement kind of thing. But if you just have something that you are personally connected to, that's going to get you through it. And then the other piece I was going to bring up is I've actually been working a lot recently, uh, just kind of by chance with clients who have run Ironman mm. and marathons and many marathons and all that. So this is a perfect real <laughs> example of our metaphor <laughs> uh, and your story because they have such experience with this training, like you're talking about, and then how much of a payoff it actually feels like when they get to the race itself, as well as shifting in their own lives when they got to a point where it's just like, you know what, let's just enjoy the process. Mm. Let's like, let's focus on feeling good in the training and then just go into this cool venue and just running for a few hours, you know? And so they've experienced both mindsets. Right. And so it is fascinating because one mindset can be in the training where it's like, this is going to suck and this is going to hurt. And I'm just going to hurt for the next like, you know, 18 months or 18 weeks. And then the race itself, you can have a totally different mindset of being like, all right, this is my one shot. Let's just kind of see how it goes. Yeah. And if it doesn't go well, but you had fun, then that's great. Right. And I think that's it right there is there's not, there's not anything wrong with either one of those mindsets. I'll say that it's, it's what's for you. Like you said, what is your purpose? What is your meaning in the situation? If you're like, no, my goal is to win this race and, and, to me, that's where the meaning is, then by all means, go after it. But don't, yeah. don't do it because somebody else said it was what you should do. That's the, that's the real kicker there. I remember when I ran my first marathon, which is funny enough, uh, I haven't recorded the episode yet, but it technically came out two weeks ago when, when this episode's posting. <laughs> 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 oh, podcast timing. Um, yeah. But it, well, time is a vortex right now. Hell, anyways. Who knows? Um, time doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, it's technically two ni- 2019. You guys didn't even know yet. That's I, I didn't even started recording uh, the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's at a whole nother tangent. Uh, yeah, but it, that sounds like a Christopher Nolan movie yeah. right there. That would actually be a good, that's a good premise of like you're recording and then you're like watching back the recording, realizing you hadn't done it yet. Like, wait, I didn't have these pictures yet. And it's just like, and then the camera just like, I just do this like Dutch angle kind of weird. Yeah. I might have to do that on this video. Um, but so it would have been 10 years, like first week of May is 10 years since I ran my first marathon. And I remember when I ran the first one, I, I finished a half marathon and I think within a week I'd sign up for the marathon the next spring. And everyone was like, why do you want to do that? Like, I like that's stupid. You're going to hurt yourself. Or why would anyone want to run that far? And like that to me was the reason like, well, then I obviously have to do it. Like I have to like, why, why wouldn't I? And that's, that's been like my motto. I realized from that moment kind of sparked this whole idea of getting comfortable with discomfort and why not when people say why, like there may be a good why not, like you could die. Like, okay, maybe, maybe I won't jump off the bridge kind of thing, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's asking the why not just because someone tells you something kind of making your own thing with it. And I've done for the past few years, I run my age on my birthday. My birthday's in the middle of the summer, which is a great time to run in Ohio, not. And so, (laughs) you know, the last few years I've ran, you know, I started when I was 30, so I did 30 miles up to 33 miles, and then this year will be 34. But we had like a stupid thing. We have this road through the middle of Columbus, uh, US 23, and it, it basically bisects Ohio completely. And I was like, hey, 
let's just run 32 miles on 23 because it makes a great, like it, it rolls off the tongue. It's real nice. I've made like a fun graphic with it. And I was like, this seems like a great idea. I'm going to run on a road where the, car, the speed limit for most of it is 60 miles an hour. What's the worst that could happen? And then I'm just going to do it in the middle of the, <laughs> middle of the day. And then, hey, just to, to do it, we're going to stop at seven bars along the way and have a beer at every bar and just make a fun day out of it. And people are like, why would you do that? I'm like, why wouldn't I do it? What's the point? Like most people take the day off on their birthday, like just completely. I'm like, why would I do that? That's boring. I'm just going to, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to run literally all day and then call it a day. But I think it's, I don't know where I was actually going with that, but the idea of finding your own why and purpose and taking risk and kind of putting yourself out there to get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where the growth happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I love that. And for a lot of people that why not mentality is perfect because it takes off this, the pressure and the burden, the perceived burden of like life has to be one kind of way. Mm. And just to think like, Oh, why not? Huh? Yeah, I guess. Why not? Let's go do that. Yeah. It just opens, it just opens so much for people. How do you think we can help? How do we get people <laughs> to kind of have that mentality of understanding that like, that's an okay thing to say, like to ask the question where instead of taking it at face value to say, no, but why, why, why would I do this? Or why not me? Why can't I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, a good way to sum it up first is the rewording the question to be, does this serve me? Mm. Uh, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's come up quite a bit. And one of my uh, former Ironman clients, that was like really a life-changing mantra for him. That was really helpful now. Um, just asking why, like, does this serve me? And just by simply being like, oh, I guess this doesn't serve me it helps your brain be like, well, logically, why is this in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why, why does this matter? And so it's just very easy to like compartmentalize and then focus on what you actually want to be focusing on. So that's the, that's the simple answer to your question. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I like that because it, it, it gives you this and mentality I like, to like- the reframe. Go ahead, sorry, I'm sorry go, go ahead. ahead. You're good. Okay. Well, all I'm going to say is like the, that reframe, it's a little bit more specific than just saying why not? Because a lot of people- especially who I work with, they need more specificity than just why not. Um, Clearly, I mean, if they're working with me, I'm customizing their life with them. I'm customizing Mm -hmm. their thoughts, their beliefs, all that. So like, clearly it's going to be unique to them. But a lot of my clients are just like, eh, I need something more than why not. And then so to make it personal by asking something like, does this serve me? Or, you know, in my case, is like, am I going to even have fun with this? Mm. Like, even if it's something challenging or something that I really don't know how to do. And, you know, that's one of my mental blocks of just like, what's it going to be like if I don't know how to do that? My judgment or my question of the why not is more just like, is it going to be fun to try this? Yeah. And 99% of the time, yes, it's fun to try it, even if I never do it again. (laughs) Right. It was a fun thing to try. Right. Exactly. You may never run on that highway again and stop at seven bars but you did it and that's fine. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to do it again if you don't want to. Right. I think that's the, that, that idea of does this serve me? I I like that because it does, it brings some specificity to, to you. You can kind of then relate it to you because the why not can almost sound like a three-year-old. That's usually how I preface it as well. Like, well, the sun's sun sets every day, but why? But what, you know, and then the moon, but why? <laughs> but we have it, but mm-hmm. why, you know, and you have that, it can be that mm-hmm. kind of mentality, but to me, that's kind of what drives me to it. But I like this, does it serve me? Because it allows you to kind of pivot when you realize you put it in that, that perspective going, okay, does this serve me in whatever capacity that is, whether that's training, life, career, family, whatever it is, does this serve me? Does it get me moving forward in whatever I'm trying to do? If it doesn't, then let's pivot and use that energy and attention somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, exactly. Be- that becomes a, a different kind of conversation of this. Um, I mean, different, but the same, 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 but different of this <laughs> idea of kind of getting uncomfortable with it. And you kind of preface it there of, you know, is this going to be fun for me? Like I might only do it the once, you know, but in the process of it, is it going to be fun for me? But we have to kind of take this step to get uncomfortable 
to even try that. And it goes with the, the taking risk and stuff like that. So like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, my thoughts, firstly, you can't ask if you're going to have fun with something until you recognize that life is hard. Mm. Life is just difficult and challenging. And in the Buddhist way, life is just suffering. But suffering does not mean punishment. Suffering does not mean that you are being, that you are like, guilty of something and you are just being punished day in and day out and that you're not worthy of finding meaning in that suffering. Right. And so I, I put it like point blank to, to people and to my clients that like life is just hard. Getting up in the morning is hard. Getting up and going for a run is hard. You know, just like life is hard <laughs> and survival takes effort. And so once people can realize the simplicity of that and how that's never going to change, then they can then be like, okay, cool. Because of the fact that life is hard, what do I want to do with this hard life? Because, mm -hmm. because yeah, I mean, what you're saying, like all the things that I ask myself, am I going to have fun with this? I'm recognizing that it's going to be challenging or it's, or I don't know how it's going to go. So there's going to be that growing pain that growth edge, that comfort zone edge that I'm going to be pushing up against. Yeah. So, and then you kind of, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling to be right there of kind of being vulnerable mm -hmm. and being open. I tell guests all the time when I have them on the show is I'm an introvert by nature. I'm like we talk about, I'm a data analyst. Like I sit in front of a computer with multiple monitors. I have my headphones on and I don't talk to anybody most of the day. And this starting the podcast initially was super uncomfortable, mostly because especially when you, you know, starting out with a podcast, a lot of times it's just talking to yourself. So it's a lot of me just, you know, I don't, I don't film the episodes by myself, thank goodness, because it would be the most awkward things ever. But I just sit here and like, I'm just staring at my notes and I'm just like, yeah, we're just going to talk and maybe somebody will listen to this. And then you start getting a little more vulnerable and kind of opening up to it. And then the idea of, okay, I want to, I want to keep growing myself. What's the next step with this? Like, let's reach out to strangers. Let's just reach out to random people and be like, hey, you want to talk mm -hmm. with me for an hour about something that you're passionate about? Like, let's do it. And in that, it's kind of helped me grow. My wife says, like, she's like, a couple years ago, you wouldn't, you know, you would just shut up and sit in the corner. Now you got to talk to everybody. You just, have, I'm like, well, <laughs> you told me to be more outgoing. So this is your fault. <clears throat> but that idea of like, you, you then, it then becomes almost your new normal. I don't like that phrase, but that's kind of what it is. It becomes your like status quo of now I'm okay talking to certain people. Over a camera, I'm a lot better in person. I'm still a little awkward. But the idea of kind of taking yourself to that next level. So the more you kind of push yourself to that edge, man, that sunlight just went down. And I just got the mood just got real serious in here. That's all right. Um, Take it. Let's go. <laughs> oh, and it's going back up now. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll lighten it back up again. Uh, but the idea that you can, uh, and I just threw myself completely off. Um, shit. Oh, you you keep pushing yourself to that to that edge, and when you do that, it becomes normal-ish, and then you can kind of get comfortable in that spot. Like, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm good, and that once you feel that comf comfort, I think that's when you need to go. Let's shake it up. Let's figure out something else to do because if not, you'll just get comfortable in the current. Then, yeah, absolutely. But that also presupposes that we all don't want to get comfortable in the current. Mm. A lot of people do like right. a lot. I'm not going to work with everybody in the world because there are countless people in the world who have zero interest in that growth. Spoiler alert. They're still growing even if they like get up in the morning and eat breakfast. Right. So they're still technically advancing and evolving as a human animal, but a lot of people just don't care about that next step. They're totally fine with like getting through the challenges that they need to get through, like the challenges of their work day, and then just like turning off and settling for that at night. And that's fine. It's everybody's prerogative. Absolutely. But what you're talking about is this endless loop that is really challenging, but it is challenging because it's it's experienced by people who want, <clears throat> excuse me, who want more out of their lives. Yeah. And so when they accept that there's more that they want, because there's always more to gain, but if you actually want it, 
then you are also simultaneously accepting the challenge of that, of like pushing through one goal and then you're comfortable. Okay. Pushing through another challenge, then you're comfortable. Okay. Push through the next. Mm -hmm. And that's, that can be really, really hard and it's endless and it's infinite. (laughs) Yeah. And it never, it never ends. Yeah, for sure. But one thing I think I might semi disagree with you. I think I understand what you're saying there, but I feel like you're either moving forward or backwards. You're never really standing still. So the people that kind of just go with their day to day and kind of, I, I, I wake up, I go to my job, I can kind of then just coast through life for lack of a better term, you know, just doing, putting the work in that they want to put in and not really trying to expand. In my opinion, they're kind of, they are going backwards because they're not living up to potential. Cause I think we all have more potential than we realize and that's why I kind of say it's, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards because you should be moving forwards. There's, there's just no sitting still because the world's still moving. Things are still happening. And if you stay still, you're technically now back there. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> so, yeah. And the cool thing is like, I don't think you and I are disagreeing. I think this is just purely a semantic thing because for you to say that if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward that's completely based on your definition of moving forward or backward. So if someone's not moving forward in the way of you thinking personal growth ought to be, Mm -hmm. then yeah, it looks like they're falling backward, but really they're not. Like I said, like, and I'm not totally trying to give credit, you know, it's credit, but it's not a ton of credit to people who are just like settling and coasting through life unmotivated. But to you, to go back to our racing metaphor, the people who are not interested in personal growth and they're not interested in anything beyond what their daily life already is, those are the people in the marathon who are just kind of like crawling or taking these teeny tiny steps but staring at their feet. So they're not they're not even looking around and like high-fiving people and like looking at the trees. They're just kind of like, eh, my friend told me I should walk this race. I guess I'll, I guess I'll just do this, you know? So they're just kind of settling for like what the 26 miles is going to be like, uh, instead of getting, trying to get anything more out of the experience, but they are still moving. They're still living. They're still going with the movement of the world, as you said. Yeah. You know, and I agree. It's, it's semantics and in the thinking, we all have our own experiences and, and, um, thoughts about what what that means and just because it's my way doesn't mean it's the right way and it should be your way i mean that's literally what we've been talking about is just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you nor should it you know you might be able to replicate or take some pieces from it but if you try to replicate everything i do which please don't do that that's a very bad decision (laughs) just just for my sake to begin with but you try to replicate anything someone else does you can kind of fall into that pattern. And I'm sure you do this with your clients is like you said, it's all personalized to each one of them. You don't have, you don't have like a sheet of paper that says, here's the checklist that you pay me. And I give you the checklist because that's going to not help anybody. Nope. Sure. Doesn't. And, and the cool thing too, is like my, just to like call it out. And it's basically exhibit a of what we're talking about is like what I then said in response to your semantics, I then use my words and we're basically talking about the same thing, but I'm using my words, you're using your words. And that's why it's a conversation. It's not a disagreement. There are so many arguments I have heard where like, they're saying the same thing, but they're using different words and they think because the other person's using different words that they're disagreeing or opposing in some kind of way. Yeah. And then you go into, you know, not only just word usage, it got real serious in this lighting right now. Um, I like it. <laughs> You're definitely doing it intentionally. You're like, let's set the mood. It's like, of course we have like, it's, it's one of those like weird cloudy days where it's like sunny for 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, like the sun goes away. And like, I turned off my overhead light. I'm like, oh, I've got plenty of natural key light coming in here. <laughs> key light's good. I'm like, right. oh no, I don't. I'll just have this like super bright LED. And now see, we're bringing the oh, mood back. Here we go. Everything, On cue. Everything is yep. perfectly fine. You just turn the knob again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be funny. Just like as I started to get more of a point, just like slowly turning it down, like changing the color. Um, 
or if you think that my conversation is like really boring, you're just, just to change it up. <laughs> just, like, just do something for the viewer. <laughs> yeah. Guys, just, just watch the lights. That's all you need to do is watch the lights. But no, I think, I think your point there about the language is really has nothing to do with, with purpose and that sort of thing. But really from a communication standpoint is our culture today, and I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off saying this, but you guys are doing it. So it is what it is. But we all, we're saying the same kind of things. We have the same purpose relatively of wanting to help people and love people and do that sort of thing. But we're, we're going about things different ways. And then we're using different language that's based, again, off of our experiences, where we came from, how we were raised, not realizing that just because someone says something a little different than me, they aren't calling me out as a person and saying I'm stupid. I could have very easily when I said, well, I disagree with you that you could have come back and be like, well, you're wrong. And, and, that's, <laughs> and that, kind of, that kind of thing. But it, you understand that that's not the case. I, you weren't taking it personally that I didn't agree with every word that you chose. But obviously, if we didn't have some sort of general understanding that we are talking about the same thing, this episode would have never happened. <laughs> because we would, it would have been very apparent on the front that we are on two different sides of a spectrum that aren't going to mix and it's not going to be beneficial for anyone to listen to. But we can kind of use these differences and that's why I love this, this type of medium with podcasts and stuff like that. So people can see that like this is how I am, this is how someone else is, and this is how we can interact with each other knowing that the word choices may be a little different. But in mm -hmm. the end, we're, we're saying the same message and we're wanting the same thing for people that if you're wanting to find that additional purpose, whatever that purpose is for you to kind of open yourself up and kind of, you know, get that mindful thinking of, all right, what is my why and how can I get there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, there are like seven points that we can cover just from that, <laughs> but uh, just to, yeah, regarding the language bit, um, an old friend of mine, she was known for just being so bluntly honest, but she would say it not in a crass way, just like a very intensely honest way. That was just like a little abrasive, but you're like, she's not wrong yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And she, uh, I think her dad had taught her that you can say anything, literally anything you want, as long as it's worded strategically. Mm. So like, and I don't mean in like a manipulative right. kind of way, uh, but like I could call you like the biggest asshole in the world or call you dumb or that you're wrong. But as long as I'm like wording it considerately or strategically <laughs> or something like that, we can still have a conversation and still right. be friends. Right. You know? Um, and along those lines, the cool thing was one of these clients that I was, that I've been referring to recently, one of the most powerful things that he found from working with me was that I gave him permission to use his own language. Mm. That he said at the end that if I had told him, this is the language you need to be thinking about, he would have been cut off from the very beginning. Right. And like not wanting to continue with me. And so <clears throat> for him, excuse me, uh, for him, that was more of like, uh, kind of like his attitude kind of thing, like that he would have, it's kind of like his ownership, the ownership of the work. Mm -hmm. Like it helps him take ownership of his own personal development if he can use his own language. And for anybody else I've worked with too, it's so trippy for them to realize that, oh, I can use my own language. I can make up my own word for this. Like if they don't like the word purpose, great. Call it something else. Yeah, call it whatever it means to you. That idea yeah. is people put people have their identity is in kind of your, your, the language you use and the kinds of things you do. So if you say, for instance, like that, that, that person said, if you take that away from me, well then who am I? Like then, then it's another, we're taking a step back to, <laughs> to who am I before I even get uh, to my why. Uh, yeah. You brought up that bluntly honest thing literally yesterday. My wife, I always joke about it. She has zero empathy. And it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> she has like no empathy and it's just, it's always super blunt and honest. And I was practicing a new song we're doing in church this weekend that I'm leading that I've never led before. And literally like I'm playing, I'm like, I'm like, it's a little bit of a stretch in the key we're playing it in and I'm just singing. And she just walks out. She goes, you think you should drop that down a half, half key or something? And I'm like, is it that bad? She goes, you sound like you're straining a little bit. And I'm just like, <laughs> 
I was like, thanks, honey. And then I told our worship leader today that, and she goes, I love her. She's, I'm like, yeah, because she'll just tell you how it is. And it's not, again, it's not in a rude tone. It's not in anything. And I had to like, I had to learn that, you know, we've been married for, it'll be 10 years in October. And even now I'm still learning those kinds of things. We had an uh, experience with her. It was her brother, her brother and her dad. I was helping them like put a fence up at their farm. And all of a sudden, like the bickering back and forth of this like very blunt, very straight to the point, passive aggressive kind of like tone kind of thing. And I go, Kayla can't help this. This is literally how she was raised. And this is how everyone just speaks in her family. And Mm -hmm. when you realize that those, the, the language you use and that sort of thing can kind of tie into your identity of who you are. It doesn't make up everything you are, but it is a part of you. If you if you try to just change that to be someone else, you're never truly going to live up to your purpose because you're already on the wrong playing field. I'm over here instead of actually internally with myself. Yeah, you're exactly right. And both with regard to identity and purpose, it goes back to your point very early on in our call, which was uh, that you're running somebody else's race. And identity is a great one too along those lines because people will often think I want to be like that person Mm. or I want to be that person. I want to do all the things that they do, but then they try to do all the things that that person does and it just doesn't work. Right. (laughs) Either it fails in a good way or it fails in an unhealthy way. And so it's the same with purpose. If you're trying to live out, if I was trying to live out your purpose, like if I was trying to create a brand about you know, I mean, I kind of do have a purpose-based brand, so maybe that's not maybe not a good example. But uh, <laughs> this is a happy accident. Um, how about uh, how about the running races? Because I don't do running races, so let's do the running races. Let's do hangry for shameless plug for you guys. Yeah. Um, if I was trying to do a race series or create a five hundred one c three for races to raise money and awareness for hunger issues. If I was like, oh, that's so cool that you're doing that. And, you know, I want that to be my purpose as though I'm just like choosing it from a vending machine. Mm. It's never, it can either go like, like the identity thing. It can either go horribly. Like I devote myself so wholeheartedly to it that it's unhealthy, even though I don't like it, but I'm still doing it. You know, kind of like people who are who stay in a job for five years longer than they should because they just think they should, but they hate it and it grinds at their soul. Or it's the other way around where it's like, I'm just kind of taking comfort in the fact that I have a purpose. Mm. It's not my purpose, but at least I have a purpose. So I feel like my life has meaning, Mm. but either one is unhealthy in the long term. Yeah, for sure. And, and you, we, you know, like you said, it goes way back to the conversation is we have this almost identity crisis when we're trying to live someone else's life or live through their checklist or the things they do. Um, I have guess we had on the show um, a couple weeks back, Katie, she had, she had said, we wanted, you need to have kind of a, instead of like a to-do list, a to-be list, because we all have, if we're, we're all being a certain way when we're being intentional towards our purpose, our checklist looks different though. We're not all doing the same things, but we're all being the same way. Yep, absolutely. And it touches on what you talked about in whichever episode it was with Christiana too, about how people ask you all the time, what do you do? Mm. It's not a to-do list. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And people have a hard time with that. So I used to teach a class on like personal branding and just like authentic self-expression. And I talked about how everybody hides behind the job title mm. because it's the easy answer. <clears throat> everybody wants to know, what do you do? So it's like, oh, perfect. Boom. You know, just whip it out of your tool belt. Just like here, here's the answer. Here's my business card. Read it and weep. <laughs> but, but when we're, but that's the identity trap where we are thinking that we need to be a thing. And that thing is going to define us. It's going to define our lives. It's going to define the meaning of our lives and everything. And then unfortunately we then settle behind that label, Mm. that identity. And, uh, I rarely talk about a job title. Like I don't even know what to call myself. I do a ton in my work. That's like, 
a coach doesn't really encapsulate it. Therapist isn't like philosophical enough. And so it's <laughs> like, you know, like there are too many avenues. So I just let people call me whatever they want. But um, regarding the, the to be list, I completely agree because when I have uh, done lectures on identity, it's not about who, like what you do. It's about who you want to become. Mm. That's really what healthy identity actually is. It's what I call a persona that you are trying to embody. So if you're setting goals based on the type of person you want to be, not about the type of job you want to have, you will be endlessly fulfilled because it doesn't matter what kind of job you have. Right. As long as you're focusing on the type of person you want to be. And if you know what kind of like your purpose is and you're just like serving that at the same time, you can have as many jobs as you want. Right. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. As long as it's serving those two things. I love that. The idea you talking about like what to like what to even call yourself and kind of what you do. I did that with my I have a photography video company because you know, I need more things to do. And <laughs> and when I was doing the same kind of thing, it's like, obviously as a photographer, you need a business card because you need a handout, you need to do these things. I'm like, how can I encapsulate like everything I do? I produce podcasts, I do video, I do photo, I do a bunch of it. I'm like, how can I do this? And I was like, perfect, I'm a storyteller. And then that just makes people go, okay, what is that? Because that's not a position, like you don't go to your guidance counselor and be like, I want to be a storyteller. And they're like, well, that's not going to pay any money. You're not, you can't just read books to people all the time. Yeah, let's talk about what school you want to go to instead. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, well, how about a trade school? Um, and <laughs> it's, it's one of those kinds of conversations. Whereas when you say storyteller, it's people go, like, it takes people back. Like, wait a second. So what is, I thought you did photo video. Like what, what do you mean by that? And then that kind of opens it up again. You're not living behind a title and really in that, like I can do damn about anything, anything multimedia wise, like is telling a story. So I'm not even trapping yeah. myself in a specific like area saying, this is the thing I am Two, in that thing of being mindful that I don't want to trap myself into something where people do these like labels. I don't know if anyone from my day job actually listens, but I don't think the people that I'll probably be talking about will be listening. But the idea of having like positions and then having seniors of positions and people making sure that that senior is so very important at the front of their position, I go, it doesn't matter. That just means you have maybe a few more years of experience I did, or maybe you came in at the right time or you did whatever, but like, if you're really hanging on that additional piece, there's, in, in my opinion, there's something bigger going on there that you're having to hide behind that because you need people to understand that that gives you a little, maybe like a level up or it just makes you feel a little better mm -hmm. that you have a little more control or power in the room when someone doesn't have that same title. You know, when we have senior or junior or associate or anything like our, our career corporate structure is literally made to be that way. It's the reason yeah. why most CEOs are in the penthouse. It's because they, it's that it's an actual physical manifestation of <laughs> the hierarchy of how things do. That's why it's always great when you see companies that are like, nope, our CEOs on the first floor. And because he, he understands everything, everything happens in order for it to come to him and or him or her, and it's and it falls on him and her, everything they're doing. So yeah, that's a whole, that's another again, another complete topic that we could go down talking to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be your first four hour episode. This is gonna be good. <laughs> Just call me Joe Rogan. <laughs> It'll actually get dark outside pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, like wait, the, the, the lights are no, I need to turn another LED light on. We need to make this happen. Yeah. But, but your but your point does you know it does relate and a funny example of that is my brother and my dad both work in finance they're financial advisors they're great at it and they love it the funny thing is over years i didn't know that on their business card it said something to the effect of like executive vice president mm. or whatever it is of this certain like department even though they have their own little advisory team and that's what they operate in all the time. So they never call themselves the executive vice president of financial services or whatever it might be. And so I was always, I was like shocked when I saw their business card, I was like, Oh, you're vice president of something. And my dad was kind of like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> because what it HR doesn't says. matter. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? You know? And like, and so both of them know that they are financial advisors. That's what they do, but they also know why they do it. 
And that's what they're plugged into all the time. So the job title doesn't matter at all. So it's like a, a funny and perfect example that kind of edifies what you just shared. Yeah. Because you end up in this identity crisis, like we've said, of I think I literally wrote down, I might rename this episode identity instead of finding purpose. Because really, that's what a lot of this comes down to, is when you're, you're finding your purpose, you really, ultimately, you need to find out who you are in that process of it. And then once you kind of realize who you are, and you know, we have conversations, what kind of language do you use? Where do you stand on certain things? What is your identity in these things? And is your identity in things, or is it in your purpose and kind of what you're driving towards? Because obviously there's two different mentalities that you can have there where, you know, um, talk about like the minimalist and stuff like that. You find, you find purpose in the things you have. It always says use things, not people. And that idea of if you put your identity in the things, you're kind of taking yourself out of the equation. Yeah. Yep. Well said. And like we talked about in the beginning, if you're focusing too much on external things or the ideas of other people, you're completely eliminating your own value also. How do we get out of that? And this is a very like semi-rhetorical question, very big and, and broad. <laughs> but how do we kind of try to get out of that? That we can we can find ourselves and be in our own purpose rather than the the looking looking outside. I know our society is almost set up to a way that it's like, no, do you see the glitz and glamour? Like they are happy. They're living the life. So you need to do those same kind of things. I mean, all you have to do is literally open Instagram, go to your discover. And there's probably, if you've ever clicked anything that said about money, there's 15 people telling you that if you're not making a million dollars a year and you're not hustling 70 hours a week, that you're not living your life. Yeah. My favorite are just like the stock quotes that are, that are put under a picture of like Jeff Bezos or Gary Vaynerchuk or something. That's like, or like an actor. It's like, clearly this person did not care to say these words, nope. <laughs> but, nope. but you're just getting your followers and that's fine. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You know, so what you're touching on is a big piece of my work, which I'm happy to go into. So if you don't mind, I'll go in, I'm going to go into detail. This might be a little bit of a diatribe. Do it. Okay. All right, cool. Um, you know, firstly, to answer your question, the first step of it is that people only ever hire me or hire a therapist or hire another coach when they get to their version of a breaking point. Now that doesn't need to be crisis. A breaking point could just be like, you know what, like just something's annoying. Like, like, like some, I'm just like annoying myself. I should go talk to someone. That's like the casual breaking point. Other breaking point is when I work with a lot of people who are just like, they are so overwhelmed. They're so stressed out. They're overthinking everything that it is actually disrupting their happiness and their work. And they just don't know what to do. And they feel so trapped. Um, and so to your question, a lot of people or everybody has to get to some version of that precipice themselves a lot. And like, we can't force them to get to that point. So that's like the gatekeeper. You have to get to that point yourself where you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a piece of humble pie and I'm actually going to explore something or get some help. And side note, I've also worked with people who thought that it was time. And then after a session or two, they were like, you know what? I'm not actually ready for this. It's like, cool, more power to you to know that it's not the right time because you, neither you nor I can force people to want to keep moving forward. We can't force people to engage in this kind of work or participate. But with that as the first step, and that is the first understanding and kind of criterion, identity and purpose are very much intertwined kind of as you're the way that you worded the question intertwined the two in like a really cool way. And so first talking about identity, the way that I teach identity is that when we're growing up, there are three versions of identity. There are three things. When we're growing up, I call it character where we're like, we're little, we're imaginative, we're taking in all sorts of new stuff. That's when we think like, Oh, I want to be an astronaut. Mm. Like, I want to be an actor or whatever. And so we think of this character kind of like it's a character in a movie. We're like, ooh, I want to be that astronaut. Or like, I want to be Tom Cruise in Top Gun. I want to be a pilot. You know, so you think of the character. 
And then as we get into like middle school and high school age, that's when we actually start to take on what we think of as an identity of like, I am an athlete. I am an artist. I am a boyfriend. I am a husband, whatever. And then definitely college. And then after college is when the job titles start to matter. So then we take on a job title. Like, cool, I'm a you know customer success manager. I'm an accountant. I'm a psychologist, whatever it is. And that's when we think, like we've been talking about, that the identity and that job title is what gives us the assurance that we are somebody and that we have value. But then, and this happens at the earliest in like mid-20s, late 20s, that's when people start to wonder, is this really it? Like, is my job title actually my worth? And these are the people I work with. So when they hit that threshold of like, you know what? Something's not adding up. Like, I thought that I wanted to just be an actor or an astronaut, but it doesn't seem like that's everything. And then so they start to question that. Then they realize they're kind of stuck and they don't know what to do about it. So then level three, which is the healthy, the healthiest, it's like the third level of Pokemon evolution. Mm. It's like yes. the ultimate Pokemon <laughs> references. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> to make it, make it fun. Um, <clears throat> the third, <clears throat> no, excuse me. <clears throat> the third uh, evolution of this Pokemon of the identity Pokemon is that is what I call the persona, which is what I was touching on before, where you realize it's not a thing to be. It's about a type of person you want to be. And if you start setting criteria for who you want to be, already that changes your language to be much more mission driven. And even just changing that language, you're no longer limiting yourself to a job or a job title or a label. You're actually opening yourself up to be like, okay, you know what? I want to be a really generous person. Say that just as like a a basic example. It opens your mind then to imagine, okay, how can I be generous? What are ways that I can be generous? What kind of jobs might spark generosity or allow me to be generous? So you just start to think about yourself developing and doing things very differently. And then that's what defines you. That's the quote unquote identity. And then this is where it touches into purpose. So hopefully your viewers and listeners are sticking with this (laughs) because this is, we're going, we're going there. Um, this is where it really starts to hit on purpose because if you focus on yourself first and your persona, then you're able to think, okay, cool. I now know what's meaningful to me. So now I can figure out how I want to serve others. Mm. And that's where you really start to figure out your own unique purpose in life. And like, why you, you know, why does it have to be you that serves that purpose? You already have a little bit of an answer for that. Right. Love it. And that man. all makes sense. It makes yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> makes perfect cool. sense. I, I mean, the idea of of breaking it down like that, it it, it kind of like you said, it, use their Pokemon evolution thing. You have this this building block where it it happens over time, but time needs to happen. Without exactly. the time, you don't get those experience. You just don't kind of form that thought. And at any point in time, it can be delayed. It can be accelerated, but the time needs to happen. And 100%. Exactly. And that's why it has to, you have to allow that time to occur and you need to focus on yourself first. Mm. Like so many people come to me who just want to know their purpose and how to serve the world and have this huge impact, which is beautiful and great, but it's way too selfless. It's almost controversial to say, no, 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 you need to be selfish and selfless in a really balanced and appropriate way for you yeah you need to put your face mask on before assisting those next (laughs) yes exactly how great i'm glad that hold on i'm glad that you love metaphors just as much (laughs) as i do (laughs) i have a whole section of my youtube channel just on metaphors to describe mental health so i love that you love them too yeah it's what's so great like how i don't know how many times i've used that line we like leading a marriage group and stuff like that it's it's that concept makes so much sense of you mm-hmm. have to help. If you don't help yourself, you're not going to be able to help anybody else. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, FAA, or whoever ended up actually coming up with that line that they have to say. Yeah. 
which is so funny because I'm probably, I'm, you can imagine that somebody in a board meeting somewhere when they were coming up with those rules and that line and everything was probably like, Hey, you know, I know that it would be nice to help other people, but you should probably be able to breathe first to be able to help somebody out. It's probably just like the most logical, rational conversation of like, yeah, "Yeah, we should probably put our masks on first. But now it's like, it's a thing mind-blowing metaphor in personal development. <laughs> All right. I don't, I don't want everyone to get everything for free off of this episode. They need to reach out to you and find out how to, how to connect with you more. <laughs> Obviously, check your, your, your YouTube out and all that stuff. But how can people get in touch with you? What should they be knowing about you? What's going on? Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, the two, the two best ways to get in touch with me are on my website, which is the tailored, like a suit, quill, like an old feather pen.com. So the tailoredquill.com. And then my Instagram is the tailored quill. Also, so I'm pretty active on there. And so, and I respond to just about everything. So people can message me through my website, message me through Instagram and I'll see it. Um, I love having these kinds of conversations. So um, another thing too, at the moment, I mean, I'm about to actually like reopen up my membership program, which is all educational. So like I have these, everything that I just talked about, I have it in workshop form in the membership. So if people actually want like the, the specific education behind all of this and the actual specific breakdowns and what to do with it, everything, go check that out on my website. It's called the tailored you. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll put links to everything in the show notes. So you guys don't have to write this down. You can just click below and kind of uh, go there. It'll be in the show notes and in the YouTube description. If you're watching this on YouTube, speaking of, if you guys didn't know this stuff's on YouTube, every single one of the interviews they're filmed. And uh, we're on a Zoom conversation. I just hit the little record button and we throw those on YouTube so you can check them out there. But Taylor, thanks so much for being on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me because I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I'll have to think of some more metaphors and I'll just, I'll just be sending you like these like philosophical <laughs> like thoughts and quotes on Instagram. You're like, and I'm going to block him now. <laughs> <laughs> either that, either I'll block you or we'll have to have more conversations in the future. Yeah, you're like, that's a good topic. We need to, we need to set up another meeting. <laughs> All right. Well, to everyone else, uh, you can reach out to me always on social media everywhere at flores.run. Subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. If you like interviews like this, you know, a written review goes a long way. Let's people know, hey, he talks to some cool people and, you know, his episodes are shitty, but, you know, when he has people on the show, they're really great. (laughs) So, you know, definitely check those out. Um, uh, you visit my website, www.flores.run. Uh, we have a podcast section on that website, so you can see all the interviews there. If you don't want to scroll through YouTube, you can find them there as well. Um, hangry, uh, wearehangry.com. This is coming out. The race probably would have already happened. I don't I don't remember when the date this is coming out. This is really bad podcasting. Um, yeah, so you can buy Hangry gear, you know, help those living with the issue of hunger in your community. Wearehangry.com. Follow us on socials at Get Angry and Hunger. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>